0: Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in beautiful Kansas City. My name is Jared Wilson. I teach pastoral ministry and writing and a few other things here at Midwestern and a general editor of For the Church. And I'm here as always with my friend, colleague, Pastor Ronnie Kurtz, assistant director of marketing at Midwestern, managing editor of For the Church. And one of the pastors at Emmaus Church, which is a church plant here in Kansas City as well. Ronnie, how are you, brother? I'm doing well. How are you, Jaron? I'm doing okay. I've got a few beefs.
1: <laughs> it's been a minute. It's been Since a we've while. I've been beefs. saving
0: them up. Oh, I no! Did, I want to spare the audience <laughs> because it was a recurring thing. Every week I got a beef, and I talked about fruit and salads. And it, they, which, by so the way, many. still not you shouldn't do that. Yeah. I think they're adding pineapple. I now. was
1: wondering if, you know, being tucked away during COVID was going to solve your beef crisis? Like you're going to be more thankful? No, I got more beef. Or if you're going to be more beef
0: ridden? Well, here's my beef. And speaking of beef, it's people who yell at restaurant workers. Oh, okay. I have this, I have this <laughs> beef as well.
1: Look, I, I don't
0: know what you think about <laughs> masks. And I honestly don't care. I, like I don't get worked up about. Yeah, that's right. I mean, people get worked up about wearing a mask, not wearing a mask. Um, I, I wear a mask when I'm out, especially when people um, you know, request it or, record or require it. Um, it. It hasn't occurred to me to get angry with a store <laughs> for wanting me to wear a mask. I know there are people who say I can't breathe or whatever. Like, if you can't breathe with, with a mask on, wait till you get COVID. Okay. <laughs> <Yikes>. <laughs> um, you may have other problems. And, but in general, so what, what really bothers me, and, my, and, and this is because it's, it's personal. So my daughter works in a food ah, it's retail establishment in, yeah. in, in a, uh, a fast food place she does. And they have had customers complain. And this is, this is my 16-year-old daughter, yeah. right? They've had customers complain that they have to wear a mask to go in to order a sandwich. Yeah. Which literally you know takes, what, five minutes, seven minutes, right? There's no dine-in there right now. To wear a mask just to order a sandwich. And you can drive through. You don't have to wear a mask in the drive through. You can have it delivered. A lot of places are delivering now. You can do all these things, but instead you want to go in and yell at teenagers because you have to wear a mask. Or sit down on the floor at Walmart. I, it, it's boggling my mind. I don't want to say too much because I'm probably already making some people mad. <laughs> if you're the kind of person who gets mad at Walmart for having to wear a mask, you're probably mad at me right now. And I just want to say to you, grow up. Oh, wow. There we go. Grow up. Because yeah. if you're listening to this, you're a believer. And if you're a believer, you should be a little more mature. Yeah. And you can have opinions that masks don't work, right? Um, that's fine. I'm not arguing whether masks work or not. I think they do. But in in, in, in any event, whether...
1: whether <laughs> Ronnie's over here laughing like,
0: can we get to the subject, please? <laughs> I love it. Hey, Hey, you know what? We don't generate a whole lot of yeah uh, we don't mail or whatever. I, it's time we get that's some mail. Right. Yeah. So I'm just, just trying. I'm just trying. Wh- what is
1: the address to your office? I'm again? Trying, <laughs> to get, trying to get some mail over here, brother.
0: So look, whatever your view on masks is, right? Stores require shirts so they don't serve you. Yeah. I think that's good. Just a shirt for I don't your want, face. I don't want anybody <laughs> with no shirt on in in the price chopper. Yeah. You got to wear shoes. That's a pretty good rule. Very you good. You know, it, it it restricts your freedom a little bit. To, to have to wear shoes, but you do it. And if they're saying, the, the the businesses, they're saying, please put on a mask. Just put on a mask. Yeah. You know, we do grocery delivery now, too. You, you could do that as an option. Um, but even if you don't like it, even if you don't like it, don't yell at people. Yeah. Right? I, I didn't realize
1: you were going to take this beef in the mask direction. Yeah, I was just gonna affirm. Just don't yell at food employees. Well, period. in general, that's <laughs> yeah. a good.
0: That's a good. But I, but what's setting it off, right? Is this? Yeah, I get it. So just be kind, be gentle. Even if you think that they're a weaker brother and and whatever it is, um, it's it it's honestly it's not that big a deal. Mm-hmm. It's really not that big a deal. Um, now as things become more restrictive, you got to wear it outside or whatever. Like I, I can see being frustrated with some of those things, but you're going into a, a place of business. They have the right to refuse business to, you know, I mean, Christians in the last few years, we've been real big on this, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. We have the right to like, we're not going to make a cake for somebody that, vi- you know, all yeah, these yeah. sorts of things. And we say, hey, it's their rights, their business, et cetera, et cetera. If you don't like it, don't go there. Now, all of a sudden, I'm seeing more Christians kind of violate mm. that logic because it's infringing on their ability to not have a mask on their face for six minutes. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm sorry if I sound sarcastic about it. But my daughter's being yelled hey, at. My 16-year-old that daughter. That is not okay. Don't, just don't do that. Just mm. be kind, right? So, let's talk about church planning. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of church plans are wearing masks these days, let me tell you. Man, and the king, king not of transitions and the king of beefs. They're covering up their denominational affiliations. There's a lot of masks out uh, in the so church planning masks. world. I'm trying to figure out a transition You're as doing we go. well, keep going. Well, this is good because the episode is called spitballing on church planning. <laughs> That's right. There's
1: the there's Which transition. I didn't
0: plan anything. <laughs> That's not exactly true, but... I thought we'd just get in here and talk about church planning. Yeah, just spitball. Then spitball, right? So this actually is a carryover several episodes ago, which by the time anyone hears this, it'll be several months from now. But the last mailbag episode, uh, as I was you know, compiling questions, people submitting topics, there were numerous questions mm-hmm. or numerous people saying, can you talk about church planning? And I thought there's so many here that we should just save it for a separate yeah. episode. So I, I don't have any specific questions per se, but let's just talk about it in general. So you've been a part of at least one church plant. Yeah, two. Church. So oh, Okay, so two church plants. Mm-hmm. Um, I planted a church once. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never do it again. Um, but we've got a few things to say from our experience. We know a lot of church planters yeah. as well. Yeah. So let's talk about church planning, brother.
1: Let's do it. Spitball it. Let's spitball. Right out of the gate, what you got? I've already said the word spitball more in this yeah. 20 minutes than I have in maybe my whole life. Okay,
0: well, there's still time. We can say some more. <laughs> And then you use it all up. You won't ever say it again. That's right. Yeah. yeah. There's
1: a qu- there's a quota here. There's a quota. Uh, but man, to spitball about church planting, I would just say, to start off our conversation, and we can just build. Um, one, it's a lot of work. Of course, you all know that. That's not a surprise to anybody. <laughs> yeah. What you might not know is it is so joyful. Mm. The the work is worth it. Okay. Uh, as as one. Uh dear brother used to say, he would ask me, as I was considering something, is the juice worth the squeeze? And with <laughs> church planting, the answer is yes. Uh, okay, well, now, hold on. Go Let ahead. me stop you because
0: the team that you were on that planted Emmaus yeah, yeah. was how many years ago?
1: Uh, we planted Emmaus in 2014, okay. uh, 2014, 2015. So, so, so six years ago, maybe yeah.
0: seven years ago. And... How many people were on the on the planting team?
1: Originally, there there were nine people who moved to Kansas City okay. for that purpose. Okay. When by the time we grew, we got we got up to about twenty four. Okay. Um. By the time we were kind of meeting regularly in a little community group, and then our first yeah, membership, tell me your first service, our or first, or first mem- our first membership, which is a few months in, yeah. Um, before we kind of covenanted together, we were at forty forty ish people. Okay, so nine
0: people to twenty four to forty. Mm-hmm. Six years later, how many? What's the average attendance?
1: We, right before COVID, we were at about four hundred. Four hundred. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, you got joy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> talk to the planter who's been at it for six yeah. years. Yeah. And he's you know <laughs> he's not a, in an up and coming city. He doesn't have the uh, the gravitas of a Ronnie Kurtz. Oh wow, right? There's a lot of gravitas there. No, like, whatever let me tell it you. is. No, but yeah. talk to the guy who. Has been plugging away, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I, I'd be feeling joy too if yeah. I started with nine yeah. people and had four hundred right now."
1: Yeah. Well, I maybe maybe the maybe that brother. Where's the joy? I guess. Right. Let, me, yeah. let me ask you
0: that. Where's the joy? I would
1: argue maybe that maybe that brother is more familiar with the joy. Okay. Um, because the joy is not just in you know, as, as we all know, the joy is not just in filling a room. Obviously, that those things are, they are joyful in that's a lot happy. of ways. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's there's so that's much a happiness thing. there. Um, but typically there's something a little bit off in a good way, about a church planter. You have to be just a tad bit crazy to want to do this. (laughs) And the kind of crazy is the kind of crazy that is willing to do hard things for the sake of the glory of God and the good of his people. And what ends up happening in a church plant is you get to see a lot of firsts, things like not even baptism might be years away from the church planter. You know, seeing their first convert baptized, that might be a long way away. But even seeing, okay, the first person has now heard the gospel in this little town I'm, I'm, I'm planting in. Or the first Christian has moved to my, to my town, away from their town, because they bought the vision. Uh, or not even moved. Maybe the first person is, the first believer is going to join in the mission because they, they get it. They, they get the legacy of gospel centrality being so important that they're willing to kind of change where they're going to go to school or where they're going to work or where their family does their life. Those kinds of things are joy-giving in a way that's hard to explain. When you get a group of people who previously didn't really know each other or have much in common, all kind of centered around this vision of seeing God's glory proclaimed in a a new area uh, is very joy-giving. And that can look about a million different ways. It can look like 400 people showing up on a Sunday, or it can look like you— becoming a local at a coffee shop so that you can finally learn someone in the town's name and the barista just happens to be the poor sap who gets (laughs) all of the gospel pressure from you. Both of those routes are tremendously joy-giving. Obviously, that's with the right mindset. There's so much hardship that comes with church planting, Um, but man, it's, it's it's a good hardship.
0: Yeah, I think where your heart is set, right? I mean, what you're touching on is, regardless of what's happening externally, which can be happy or sad when the room fills, it's a natural thing. It's a human thing, normal thing to be happy about that. You that's want right. people to come to your church. You want to be reaching people. When the room is not, and and in fact, if it's not filling up, but it's also declining, mm-hmm. that's a sad thing. You're a normal person. Don't be the guy like I must be doing something right. I'm <laughs> you know I must be the faithful one in this town because yeah. I'm losing people. Yeah, don't yeah, don't right. be that guy. Be appropriately sad about that. And yet the joy is I'm not tied to what's happening externally. Mm-hmm. I'm tied to Faithfully evangelizing, faithfully proclaiming, faithfully tending to Christ's sheep—you um, know, be doing that work—and there's joy in in that work, mm-hmm. right? So don't be tied to externally what is happening, and 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 that's I think it's that's difficult for any pastor, that's right, but it's I think exceptionally difficult for church planters because most church planters um, they're wanting to see the thing grow. That's the whole point of the thing. Um in in large respect. Um, but also there is external pressure. So many plants. So when I planted, I didn't have a network. I, mm-hmm. We didn't, um, it was a non-denominational plant as well. So there was no association looking in like, hey, what are your numbers doing? That was just all internal for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, when I was going about it. But I can't imagine, like, I, you know, I, I know guys, hear from guys who they've got to hit benchmarks mm-hmm. and, and it's almost like mm-hmm. a, a sales game. Yep. And so even externally, you you know, you may not internally want to be bent that way, but you've got this outside pressure that's constantly like, hey, why are your numbers down? Or why why haven't you seen growth over last year? And they're looking at this sort of trajectory Mm -hmm. chart. And if your joy is set to pleasing those people or satisfying whatever, you know, sales goals they've got for you, um, it's going to be an uphill yeah. slog,
1: and it will stifle the joy. That's right. You yeah. know, you, you'll find it just robbing your joy. And I'll say, time. even I think one of the largest mistakes that I made early. Um, eat, you're talking about the external pressures of of needing to grow. There are some internal pressures in in the sense that if you take over a traditional church, you know, uh, like the 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 mode of pastoral ministry that many people go through, where they graduate seminary and they go take over you know, First Baptist Church of, of wherever, and they faithfully pastor it. Well, in, in those first couple of years, if people come to your church and decide not, not to join, you don't really take it that personally because yeah. you've inherited likely some unhealth that's still going to be around, and the residue of that is still obvious, and you're working through it, but it's not super personal. Whereas a church plant, uh, it is very easy to think of a church plant as kind of my thing. Like, I was the one who named this thing. I was the one who set the vision for this thing. I was the one who set the yeah, culture for this thing. That's right. And so when folks decide not to join you, uh, it is really easy to take it as a personal insult as opposed to uh, what a normal pastor would feel. And so I even have a story of this, Jared, where this I think this is one of my biggest failures early on and, and, you know, one of one of many, but a dear brother, I mean, one of my closest friends decided... Uh, who was who was moving to Kansas City for the church plant, once they got here, decided to not join. Mm. And I honestly just blew up on him in, in one of our phone calls and just wasn't wasn't kind, wasn't gracious, which is not my personality. I'm, I'm, I no. kind of like to stay I'm level. i kind of shocked right now, I know, actually. Yeah. I feel like dirty even now I'm, this on, I'm story. on eggshells now. Yeah, I don't you better not cross blood. me, Jerry. Okay. <laughs> 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 not while I'm spitballing. Yeah. No, that's right. <laughs> no, uh, I... I'm decently level-headed. It takes a lot for me to kind of get riled up. I really try hard to be a peacemaker and not a, you know. I'm, I'm a member of the get-along gang, no, you, there you know. go. That's right, the get-along gang. <laughs> and uh, it, so this was so out of character for me. About, you know, two weeks later, just kind of thinking about it, I was just talking to my wife and talking with a few trusted uh, men in my life, and just asking, what what happened to me? What in the mm. world went on there? And that, that was what I realized he was happening. He found kind of the hole
0: in the armor, that's so right. to speak. Right? That's right, uh, yeah. Wow.
1: And uh, he wasn't deciding to not join my church. He was deciding to not join me, mm. and that felt personal. And it's easy to feel that way with a church plant. Yeah. And so I, I would just say, you know, watch that. That, that. That's a major pitfall.
0: Yeah, that's actually a note that I have is, is literally I wrote, don't make it personal. Which, you know, obviously, you, you know, your heart and soul is in the work and it would be a poor effort if it wasn't because pastoral ministry and, and you know, by extension, church planning is, is personal in, in that sense. But to make it like my validation, my self worth, right. my approval, this is my personal <laughs> project, yeah. which a lot of church planners, uh, you know, again, it, it becomes sort of an entrepreneurial yep. um, endeavor and it has to be my necessity logistically. Uh, I think the best church planters, or at least the best church planting teams, have someone on the team. The best church planters have some kind of entrepreneurial. They're builders of yep. some kind, and so they've got vision, and they're you know somewhat gr- um, good administratively, and and they've got that kind of kingly gift to them, and so that's that's necessary. I'm not saying that you you know you shouldn't do that or shouldn't have that. But when you begin to you know personalize that or identify so much with the work that you become indistinguishable as That's a right. person from the work itself, it becomes mm-hmm. it becomes your identity. Mm-hmm. Then yeah, when mm-hmm. you, you know, it just lays you low, or you take it as a, an affront to you if someone um, decides it's not for them, yeah. or if they disagree with even some aspect of That's it right. or something like that, it becomes this. You know, I think of Paul saying, you know, um, you know, I planted, a Apollos watered. But God gave the yeah, growth, amen. right? Yeah. So it was, a, it was a way of like saying, I'm not inactive. I'm not non-instrumental in this, but it's, it's all under the sovereignty of God. Mm-hmm. He's deciding whether we grow or don't grow or mm-hmm. what the results are going to be. We just have to kind of you know, put our head down and, and play our role and be faithful, but don't take it personally. Yeah. This is uh, why
1: uh, one of the things I tell planters all the time is uh, I really want you to be a, um, a pastor. You think of yourself as a pastor first and a planter second. Um, because yeah. you're, you're doing pastoral ministry that happens to be at a new church, but that doesn't change the fact that you're a pastor. And so this, this ties into my previous story because one of the things a pastor needs to know is ecclesiology. He needs to know the ins and outs of what a church is and what a church does and these kinds of things. And, you know, Jaren, you and I are similar in our ecclesi- ecclesiology. The church I pastor is a, a, a congregational church that's led by elders. And but it doesn't stop there, right? Mm-hmm. Ultimately, Jesus is the cornerstone of that church, and that sometimes in ecclesiology can feel like a throwaway sentence. But that's the <laughs> sentence that's going to save you from making your church plant your identity, mm. because when you're planting a church, what you, what you're doing, and if you're pastoring a traditional church or whatever, it's the same way. But you are pastoring God's people by by exposing God's word for the sake of God's glory, ultimately, so they can be with their God. And what you realize in that formulation of what a church is and does, you're not even a part of it. I mean, yeah. you're, you're, you're doing the activity, but this is God's people and his glory is at stake. And we're going to use his word um, and, and, and march, toward, march towards him ultimately. And, and that, that's really helpful. If you can start reframing in your mind this kind of personal attack when someone doesn't choose your church plan. If you can right-size what you're doing as, as God's work in that way.
0: Yeah, that's a good word.
1: I'd, I'd also
0: say i see quite a bit i wouldn't I wouldn't say a lot but it it it's somewhat common to see church planters who are in a kind of reactionary mode right so whether the church tradition they grew up in or the church they just came out oh, of that's good yeah and they're planting the project is based on i'm not that <laughs> right i'm 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 correcting the wrongs that's right, of yeah. so it's a kind of a rebellious streak there and Again, I you know I want to qualify this to say to some extent there can be some wisdom in that right you've learned from your past experience either philosophically or even practically methodologically I don't want to do that so I'm not going to do that in my new church that kind of thing but when you build the church ideologically around we're not that mm-hmm. in the olden days I don't see this too much anymore I, I do see it you know now and again especially on in like Facebook ads for new churches and things like that but it used to be super common a lot more common than it is today. Where church plants would send out the mailer, right? This is before Facebook, so just telling you how old I am. They send out the mailer, and you get in the mail, and it's basically some variation of like, "We're not like y- your church, yeah. or we're not like that other church." So, like, you can wear jeans here, and you can. <laughs> this no, is
1: not your mother's church. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's yeah.
0: not yeah. your grand, you know, grandfather's Oldsmobile kind of, you know, ad. It's you know those sorts of things. I
1: promise, we're not boring.
0: <laughs> and I'm just thinking, okay, you're telling me everything that you're not. Yeah, that's right. right? And I guess that can be helpful to know, but. Uh, apart from you're essentially defining yourself in comparison and honestly in competition mm-hmm. to other churches, which is not a kingdom mindset, and, and and not a positive mindset, not a biblical mindset. It it's also it it makes me wonder: Are you building the thing as a reaction to something else? And once you begin defining yourself by what you're not, right? Um, you know, every church has to have denials in their statements. We affirm these things and deny these things, and I think philosophically you can have that as well. But if you're defining your church based on what I'm not or as a personal, like, man, I left that church and those guys, they don't get it. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to plant the, the thing. And it's just a reactionary, uh, you know, I'm getting it right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm, the, uh, I'm the messianic church planner kind of guy. It's like I'm <laughs> the one who's finally got it right. Once you're in that mode, you're setting yourself up for disaster. Oh, you yes. you, you can't—you you, you can generate heat. You can even you know, even gather a crowd— based on negative and, mm-hmm. and, and reaction and, and and defining yourself by what you're not. But you can't really build any kind of momentum or um, in, endurance right. with that because it just becomes exhausting mm-hmm. that every year you've got this boogeyman behind you that you're, you know, we're not that, you know, and so you're always railing against, you know, fundamentalists or the traditionalists yep. or the Calvinists or yeah. whatever it is you're against. and And that just doesn't create... Um, adoration of God, for one thing. It just creates enmity with other believers. But it also is just a really kind of bitter root mm-hmm. for a plant, I That's think, right. to have. Yeah. Um, That's right. And you just, you know, um, you know thankfully, I don't know a whole lot of pastors who are doing this, but it, it, it can kind of creep up, I think, sometimes. Like, I'm going to get it right, that attitude, I think, is a, a great way to sabotage yeah. <laughs> the plant before it gets going.
1: Something else that I, I've— um that we kind of did a little bit early on that helped us. We, the, Luckily, the people who moved to Kansas City to plant this church had all been a part of some kind of church plant before. One of the big differences we wanted, and, and some of us were even involved in the same one, and in that particular that particular church plant, uh, the numbers exploded. So we were hitting 1,000 folks early. And that, to a lot of people listening to this, that might sound like a church planting dream, for us, it became a nightmare really quickly because what we learned was we did not have systems in place or people in place to be able to actually shepherd a 1,000 people. Yeah. I have nothing against 1,000-person-sized churches as long as those 1,000 people have pastors yeah. and are getting pastored. You know, otherwise, it's, a, it's a, a growth of a kingdom, not, not, not a shepherding of people. And so we really wanted to early on with Emmaus uh, kind of think about that. Uh, think about what if the Lord does send a lot of people early— are, how are we going to make sure that they are pastored? Whether we have 20 people for 10 years or 2,000 people in 10 years, how are we going to make sure they are pastored? And one of the things that, that we kept saying um, often was, eventually, we have to stop calling ourselves a church plant. Eventually, we're just a church. Right. And yeah. you can actually— When does that begin, by the way? That is a really good question. Okay. Uh, uh, often, it's a kind of even an internal mindset of mm. like, stop blaming problems on the fact that you're a plant. Okay. Oh, that's good. When that turns, you're starting to become a church and not a church plant. Because there's a lot you can get away with by just kind of rolling your eyes and saying, oh, of course it's that way. We're yeah. a church plant. Every if, toddler stumbles. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, you can get away with a lot. And, it's like, there's an eight-year-old toddler <laughs> <laughs> Right. That's exactly right. Yeah, at some point in the life of your church, you have to stop doing that and mm. you have to – um even there are a lot—this is where it's hard for a lot of church planters because a lot of planters are exactly what you said. They're these entrepreneur, entrepreneurs who are visionary types, and systems can be really boring to them, and not a lot of joy is there. But, man, I'll tell you, you can pastor your people really, really well from the beginning if you begin to think about systems early. Don't become this programmatic church. Obviously, you know, we have no games or gimmicks. We only have the gospel. But that is an excuse to not be mature when it comes to thinking through finances and uh, bu- uh, church, church bylaws and these kinds of things. We yeah. need maturity there. That's good. That's good.
0: Well, one note that I um, had jotted down is really to speak to the, a, a team, right? Yeah. So the solo church planter, which I, th- I think is becoming more rare, but there was a day, particularly in my generation, where the guy, you know, essentially hanging up a shingle, right? <laughs> and I've seen it kind of work. Like I had a friend who he and his wife and their three little girls moved to Brockton, Massachusetts, which, you know, if you know anything about, um, uh, you know, Brockton, or if you don't know anything about Brockton, we say it's, it's like, uh, you know, hard scrabble, you, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, you know, kind of a Boston suburb or exurb. Um, if you've seen The Fighter, you ever seen The Fighter? No. With Mark Wahlberg and Christian Bale? Oh, yeah, Bale? no, I have seen Yeah, that. yeah, 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 yeah The yeah. Fighter. Um, it's in Lowell. Okay. Massachusetts. Brockton's kind of like Lowell. So okay, like that town okay. and that. So it's kind of like that. This guy and his little meek wife and their three little meek girls show up and he <laughs> like, they rent a house. He rents space. He walks the streets, handing out like granola bars with the church info on them. I was like, brother, what that's not going to, what are you doing? No, that's not how it's done. And it, he started a church. Like, hey man, like, I love so it. So the Lord blesses stuff, you know. It's like John, you know, Johnny Appleseed out there on on his own doing these things. <laughs> so it, I know it happens, but in general, it's not the best idea yeah. to like gung ho. Yeah. I'm taking the hill. You you want a team, not just because it's good for uh, momentum and 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 growing a core, um, but just for your own health. Yes. Uh, you know, for your own margin, for your own ability to delegate and share the load mm-hmm. and, it, you know, just don't, don't go it alone. Um, and if there's no one who's going with you, that may be a sign that it's mm-hmm. not time to plant. If you, if you can't, you know, get someone to move and join the, you know, the work with you or pour in with you, maybe it's, um, maybe it's a different season for That's you right. than, than this. What would you say, Ronnie, mm-hmm. as we kind of, you know, around the corner to conclude here. This particular season, right? So, when people hear this episode, it'll probably be—I don't know—October, maybe. Um, but assuming things are still going the way they're going now, this is a really hard time to yes. plant a church. Yep. So, I have a guy in my coaching group who um, is—is—he uh, had just formed his core team, I think, in February. They were planning to launch public services this fall. So they were going to take most of the year. He's an experienced church planter. He's he he he's planted two churches uh uh previous to this. He did a residency at um Epiphany Church mm-hmm. where uh you know Eric Mason is and um so he knows what he's doing, yeah, but no one's ever done this. Mm-hmm. And he basically saw the all the shutdown, everything as basically poured water on the little fire he was building up. Yeah. Uh, my brother's in a you know, similar situation. My brother um, formed his his team, uh, a small team to plant, no, way northwest of Houston. And this whole thing just shut everything down. And so now they're even concerned about things like, can, how do you raise funds in this yep. environment? That's right. How do you gather people in this environment? Any words of encouragement? I know logistically we make, you know. We may not have the wisdom to know this is what you do to get it going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But just encouragement for these brothers.
1: Yeah, two words, two words of encouragement. One that's not as practical, and one that's a little more practical. I'll start with a non practical one is brothers, just have faith. Um, The Lord really is sovereign. And often church planters need to hear that word regardless of what's going on, but we especially need to hear it right now. Yeah. Uh, COVID did not surprise the Lord. Your inability to fundraise right now did not surprise him. None of those things surprised him. And so try to, even though it's difficult, rest in the fact that he is faithful and good. Now, for the more, a little more practical side is I actually think there is a little bit of an advantage right now in the sense of reaching folks. It might not be an advantage to getting kind of this more institutional side of church planting off the ground, you know, the the actual institution. But right now, the world feels like it's on fire, and people are kind of freaking out. And I think people are more prone than ever right now to listen to someone who isn't losing their minds. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Yeah, maybe I'm being a little too optimistic here, but uh, the gospel is a sure word on a sure foot in a sure Christ. And if we proclaim that kind of level-headedness your world might seem different than it's ever, but the Lord is good and faithful. Uh, I, I think the world is, is pretty hungry for that. And so it might, you might have to get creative on how you're saying it in terms of the medium. It might be over Zoom or over something else, you know, uh, in smaller meetings or in outside meetings. I have no clue where COVID will be by the time this episode releases. Uh, it might be done. Yeah. You know, hope, hopefully, this is all, willing. Yeah, hopefully this is all old news. But uh, preach a sure Christ in this unsure time, and I think I think people will listen.
0: That's great. And I think, you know, if, if COVID is still a thing hampering, you know, business as usual for us uh, when this comes out, or whether it's not, someone could be listening to this episode in five years, and there could be some other crisis or some other yeah. thing going on. And for any pastor in any, um, you know, any season could be the season of just like, why me? Mm-hmm. Why Why this? So it may not be something that culturally or nationally or globally is going on. It's just your, in your community, your <laughs> church. And I just think for COVID and beyond, the ability to acknowledge the sovereignty of God and to say, okay, God saw this coming. I didn't see it coming. Whatever's going on outside, God saw it you know, coming, and he determined in his wisdom that I'm the pastor during this. Yep. I, I wouldn't have chosen mm-hmm. me. I, I don't know why he has chosen me. <laughs>
1: We wouldn't have chosen uh, now,
0: uh, right? But he de- he determined, hey, when this hits, I want you guys leading the churches. Th- that's intimidating. It's mind-boggling and astounding. But I think it can be really confidence-boosting. God decided you're the pastors, you're the church planters. During COVID, <laughs> you're the COVID church planting guys. Yeah, that was that was his decision, not yours. What does that mean for your confidence, for your faith, for your joy? What does that mean? That you you know stories you'll be able to tell on the other side, man. I I planted a church during COVID, mm-hmm. and man, it was a it it was a beast. But you know X Y and Z, God was faithful, yeah, yeah. Just to be thinking <laughs> through those things, and and to take heart mm-hmm. now. Um, you know, I'm thinking of Paul. You know, in the middle of that, you know, prison. Where, you know, he'd just been uh, uh, you know flogged, and the the, the uh, Sadducees and Pharisees are arguing over what to do with him, and He's sitting in the prison, and, and, and it says, the Lord stood beside him and said, take courage. Mm. Brothers, that's you. Mm. That's you. The wh- Whatever prison you're in, whatever situation you're in, the Lord is standing beside you, and he is saying, take courage. And on that note, we're going to end. Thank you, Ronnie, for sharing some of your experiences. We can probably do this again sometime. Yeah. Spitballing's cool. That's spitball. Yeah, we just spitballed. <laughs> we did a longer episode than the last couple of ones we did just by spitballing. <laughs> Of course, my beef, my little intro right, beef, yeah. probably had a lot to do with it. Um, if 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 that made you angry, um, I don't I don't apologize. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe I do. May, maybe I will s- send s- send your mail to Arcurts
1: at. <laughs> I that, think hey, I think you are fine. That's yeah, a good
0: intro. We we love you, listener. We hope you love us as well. And love covers a multitude of sins. That's right. Amen. Yeah, and, and a multitude of beefs, we hope. If you like the episode, please share us with your friends. Give us a good review on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, may Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast, hosted by Jared Wilson, found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.